Good afternoon. This is Dr. Daniel Guerra, and this is Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Today is 13 November 2023. We'll be <coughs> finishing off this paper uh, that we've been talking about with this uh, vaccine that was directed against antigens associated with dendritic cell presentation so as to activate T lymphocytes and the specific subpopulation of natural killer cells to ablate cancer, particularly uh, melanoma. And we were getting into um, finishing that paper off, and that's where we are right now. <clears throat> this is Chapter 3 in Biomedical Portrait 6, which is on the general topic of NK cells. So what these authors say they've been able to show is that this adenovirus, disarmed adenovirus, um, DC antigen-associated vaccine did indeed recruit CD56-DIM, CD16-positive, as well as CD56-bright, CD16-negative natural killer cell subsets. And this occurred via a chemokine and interleukin chemokine 8 interleukin 8 gradient association uh, as well as um, chemokine 10 and a protein called IP10 so and that was respectively between those two different subsets of uh, NK cells we have to talk more <laughs> about CD56 we already know what dim and bright means we need to talk more about CD56. We're going to do that in a moment. Now, they claimed that they found a differential combination of interferon, or interferon alpha with the adenovirus vaccine enhanced natural killer cell activation and indeed cytotoxicity. Now, this is what they observed in vitro. So the ID, that's the interdermal ADVDC, the vaccine, plus or minus giving the patients, remember that HDI, that was high-dose interferon, alpha. They did that, and then they checked peripheral blood NK cells in melanoma patients. So they already had good results from in vitro. They wanted to know what was going to happen now with the population of melanoma patients. And they say they demonstrated an immunosuppressive, including NK cell cytotoxicity phenotype, subsequent to the introduction of the vaccine uh, in association with the HDI. They also said they, uh, there was a subpopulation distribution among patients with and without measurable melanoma comparing it to healthy donor controls. So it sounds like you're getting multiple interactions with this vaccine that are going in the right direction. It seems to be activating natural killer cells, and it seems to be having a positive effect on some small but significant still population of melanoma patients. Okay? So what they're doing is they're examining this, what they call novel recombinant adenovirus 
transduce autologous DC-based vaccine. And they say it simultaneously induced T-cell responses, that would be T-helper cells, against three melanoma-associated antigens, which we've already talked about. And this occurred in advanced melanoma patients. They also looked at the effect of the vaccine on how high-dose interferon alpha-2b might give a an adjuvant boost to the activation, maybe the proliferation of natural killer cells. And the result starting at baseline was that the natural killer cells, particularly those from high-risk patients with no current measurable melanoma, did indeed uh, show altered distribution of the CD56 DIM, CD16 positive, uh, and CD56 DIM, CD16 negative natural killer cell populations. They also saw elevated levels of <coughs> immune suppressive proteins uh, like TNF uh, alpha and also protein called MICA. And also they were able to measure apparently perforin, which you know was one of the granule uh, proteins generated by the natural killer cell to kill the target cancer melanoma cells. And they say that the, uh, the NK cells in the patients demonstrated higher level of activation than those from healthy donors. So this they measured uh, looking at CD68 increases and the NKP44 and CCR, that's the um, uh, chemokine receptor, seven levels. And they also saw enhanced killing of the cancer cells. So they claim they also saw elevated cytolytic ability strongly correlating with increased CD56 DIM CD16 positive NKs. They admit that intradermal dendritic cell immunizations did not significantly impact circulatory NK activation or make any changes dramatically in distribution of the NK population, even subsequent to the HDI injections. Phenotypic analysis of the tumor infiltrating natural killer cells did demonstrate the uh, um, occurrence, the existence of CD56 DIM, CD16 minus NK cells. And they say those were the dominant subset within the melanoma tumor. They did transcriptomic analysis of the melanomas, um, resected at baseline. And that suggests that there was a trend of increased CD56 DIM and K cell signature expression in patients when those patients were demonstrating a slightly better clinical outcome. So they postulate that melanoma patient blood and K cells do display elevated activation and that the intradermal DC immunizations did not effectively increase the promotion 
of systemic NK cell responses. Okay, nevertheless, I think that systemic HDI, that's high dose interferon alpha administration, might still be able to modulate not so much the overall activation, but the distribution of the different NK cell populations. Okay, and they're saying maybe C56 dim CD16 minus NK cells are simply not particularly cytolytic in the melanoma patients. Okay, so that's their way of arguing that, well, the vaccine didn't really do what they wanted to, but it could be it's because the melanoma patients were already um, increasing natural killer cell populations. And that <laughs> this DC antigen vaccine, which I'm sure they spent a lot of time developing uh, and finally getting it out of in vitro cell culture and directly into patients, but sure that took a, a great deal of good scientific effort. <laughs> They're saying, well, maybe it didn't perform as well be <laughs> because maybe they need to increase the population of patients to get a positive effect. That might be one argument. Or the other thing is maybe they would have had to wait longer um, to see whether or not NK cells responded more favorably to populations that would be more cytolytic. Okay. At least that's the take-home message I think they were trying to uh, offer. Now, that paper was published in 2019. <clears throat> I have not gone back and looked to see what that lab, University of Pittsburgh, has done in the last four years, but maybe I can get that accomplished for. Uh, our lectures um, for next time. I will like take a look at the literature. Right now, I want to talk more about this uh, CD56 protein, which seemed to play a pretty significant role in uh, NK cell phenotype. Now, CD56 is also known as NCAM. That means neural cell adhesion molecule. And like many of these cell surface proteins that have immunological um, potency, CD56 is a member of the immunoglobulin superfamily. And <laughs> these Im immunoglobulins engage in two different types of interactions, was known as homophilic and heterophilic. So they have found three main isoforms exist of CD56. NCAM120, NCAM140, and NCAM180. You can tell those are all based on amino acid um, um, sequence composition. And those three NCAMs, which are all CD56s, were generated by alternate splicing of one gene for the CD56. And all of them differ in their intra cellular domain, okay, obviously in the length, the amino acid, the, the polypeptide length. So CD56 is considered a marker for neural lineage commitment because of the fact that there's a discovery site on these uh, molecules that is linked to neurons, okay? So it's an interest that has to do with that domain, the intracellular domain. 
Now, CD56 expression is also found, as we've just been talking about, in cells generated from hematopoiesis, such as natural killer cells. So besides the natural killer cells we've been talking about, you find CD56 on gamma-delta T cells and activated CD8-positive Frank T cells, as well as dendritic cells. So CD56 is spread around in multiple immune cell domains. They also find CD56 in the bone marrow, and that's obviously at the site of nascent hematopoiesis. So they're arguing that CD56 seems to be really insignificant because you don't see any cell lines without expression of that NCAM protein. Okay. So mesenchymal stromal cells are actually an important intermediate generating hematopoietic stem cells that involve the expression of the adhesion molecules, one of which, of course, is CD56. And when CD56 is induced for expression at the transcriptional level, that's when you get a stabilization of hematopoiesis activity. <laughs> they also find that there are aberrant CD56s, and whenever you see a mutant or ab aberrant CD56 increase in expression, so quantitative or qualitative, those are often linked to hematological malignancies. For example, multiple myeloma and leukemia. And not only that, you also find aberrant expression in solid tumors lung, ovarian cancer, and indeed neuroblastoma, where you would guess you might find something like that because NCAM is abundant in the neural system. They also say that there are numerical and functional deficiencies which result in phenotypic CD56 positive immune responses. Now, this could be hearkening back to that 2019 paper. <coughs> you remember the different alterations of CD56 expression in conjunction with other cell surface markers, obviously adhesion molecules like CD16. So again, this paper that I'm reading now is just a review article from Frontiers in Immunology published two years before the vaccine paper came out. So it could be that the appropriate antigen presentation leading to the vaccine uh, proficiency to target the melanoma cells has to be further elaborated because there's a great deal of complexity with the expression of CD56 vis-a-vis whether or not it promotes just that one important signal out of the NK population, which is cytotoxicity, cytotoxicity directed not to host cells, but to such things as infected cells, or indeed in this case, um, compromised because of a tumorigenesis. Okay? So I'll go back to that paper 
in 2017, it was a review paper to give, um, take off some of the pressure of the people that are working on these vaccines, because it could be that the right kind of development, looking at those different DC antigen um, epitope generated vaccines, might actually be some, some more curative um, effect for these melanoma patients. Remember, if melanoma proceeds after uh, stage zero, stage one, um, as progression to moribund mortal um, melanoma is only eight to 10 months. So it's a very deadly disease. Um, and so any possible pharmacotherapeutic that would not otherwise result in uh, damaging the immune response might be something worth investigating. And I think that's why that group is uh, involved in it. So again, <clears throat> I'll make it a point of following up on that paper and looking exactly back at that DC type of, and also look at that HCI adjuvant activity. Now let's go back and be more general. We talked now very much about NK cells in the clinic. Let's go back and talk about T cells in general, and then we'll then you'll see where the NK cells fit in these profiles. So CD4 positive T cell activation in general will result in the secretion of cytokines that will either be pro-inflammatory outright or will modify the expression of potentially pro-inflammatory cytokines in other cells, okay? And the pattern of cytokine expression, of course, <coughs> is what is used to define the different T helper cell subset populations. And we talked about this before. So CD4 positive, Th1, Th2, Th3, Th17, and of course CD4 positive T regs all play a significant role in T helper cell mediated acquired immune ablation of tumors as well as various diseases caused by pathogens. So Th1 cells, to be more specific, will secrete interferon gamma, and they'll also generate a population of cytotoxic effectors. Yes, what they'll do is turn on macrophages because of the production of interferon gamma, NK cells, and the cytotoxic CD8-positive T lymphocytes, just called CTLs, cytotoxic T lymphocytes. So interferon gamma coming from Th1 will activate all of those downstream cell lines that are going to be involved in cytotoxicity and natural killing of populations of cells that have been targeted. And that targeting was initially um, brought, uh, brought to bear. That targeting came um, with the initialized Th1 activation replication, leading to the massive production of interferon gamma. So that would be obviously a cytokine that's associated with Th1. Now, Th2 cells, again, this should be reviewed. They'll secrete ion look at 410, and plus other cytokines, of course. And what those two cytokines do is organized around the antigen priming of B lymphocytes. 
so that those B lymphocytes, of course, will terminally differentiate into antibody-producing plasma cells. Okay. So it appears that Th2 cells are involved in controlling antibody production um, systematically throughout the circulation, as well as maintain an effect on B lymphocyte differentiation to those plasma cells, that terminal differentiation. Now, what about Tregs? Tregs, remember, have an unusual phenotype. They are typically immunosuppressive or immunoregulatory. That's why they're called Tregs. But they are CD4 positive T cells. <coughs> they usually have phenotype CD4 positive, CD25 positive. And remember their signature transcription factor, which we spent a lot of time on uh, in previous lectures, is FOXP3. Also, you'll probably remember from those previous lectures, Tregs typically secrete abundant levels of interleukin 10 and TGF beta, both of which function to suppress the immune response by suppressing the inflammatory um, induction and maintenance, which, of course, Th1 cells are going to be typically uh, involved in. So Treg cells will pull back on that inflammatory response. These are things you should know. But I'm just giving you, again, a, a, a brief review of which cytokines these different T cells will generate. So cells with that particular phenotype will recognize self-antigens, with that phenotype meaning the production of IL-10 and TGF-beta. So those Treg1s will recognize self-antigens, and they will prevent autoimmune disease. Of course, they're also involved in tamping down chronic viral infections, allergies, transplantation problems with hyperimmune responses, as well as any advanced malignancy. And of course, the Treg effect on malignancy is undesirable because a malignant, once you have a metastatic tumorigenesis, Treg populations might only serve to hamper the otherwise potent activity of natural killer cells and Th1 and Th2 cells in general, as well as antibody production, okay, via that Th2-mediated differentiation from B cells to plasma cells. Th17s produce Th, uh, interleukin-17, and in general, they are inflammatory cells, and they also produce and then Interleukin-17, along with interleukin-23, gives some specificity to Th17 cells, which we've talked about in the past and we can get back to later. Right now, it's just a general discussion. Okay, All T cells, except for these subsets, which aren't card-carrying T cells, but the CD8-positive, CD4-positive T cells we've been talking about, all recognize epitopes derived from peptide fragments from proteolysis that are processed and presented by professional antigen-presenting cells. So very common cells that interact with T cells 
that we were just talking about are dendritic cells, those are DCs, of course, macrophages, and in fact, B cells and Th2 that we just talked about. So the production of Th1, 2, and 17, and several different types of populations of Tregs mediate the overall acquired immune response. So the promotion of inflammation by cytokine production and secretion, that signatures Th1 lymphocytes. The promotion of B lymphocyte antibody production and uh, differentiation, terminal differentiation to plasma cells is a Th2 lymphocyte um, journey. And then regulating via immunosuppression is what Tregs do. So that's a summary of that. So I wanted to make sure that you had all of that in mind. Now, there are specific cytokines associated with CD8 positive cytotoxic T lymphocytes as well. All right. We've talked a little bit about this, but CTLs have TC1 and TC2 subsets. TC1 cells destroy virally infected or malignant cells. So these are cytotoxic T lymphocytes that are of the CD8 lineage. Let me check my time. Okay, that's pretty good. We're doing all right. We got a few minutes to go. So let's continue here. So cytotoxicity occurring with CD8 cells, you're going to have what's called the endogenous pathway. So that means when cells generally will produce antigens within their population, that's called the endogenous pathway. Those types of antigens, which are actually self-antigens, can still suggest to the CD8 surveillance TC community of cells that those cells are intoxicated. So dendritic cells, or any really good antigen-presenting cell, will use MHC class 1 to present as an epitope to CD8-positive T cells. Okay? So MHC1 will present endogenous peptides. That will take a TC1 CD8-positive cell, um, actually a TC-naive CD8-positive cell, and converted either to TC2 or TC1. These are full cytotoxic T cells. TC1 CD8 positive, of course, is going to be interacting with its T cell receptor and its CD3 co-receptor, as well as a CD8 receptor on the surface of TC1s to modulate the activity. But TC1 CD8 positive T cells are cytotoxic because they generate a lot of interferon gamma, and tumor necrosis factor beta. The CD, excuse me, TC2 subpopulation of CD8 positive T cells after interleukin 4 secretion from naive TC CD4, excuse me, CD8 positive T cells will generate interleukin 4 and interleukin 10. All right. And no, um, prone activity with T-cell receptor. 
Some activity can occur, but it's tamped down. So the rest of the story for all this is for CD4 positive. I don't think I have time to go through it. But CD4 positive, there's more action, far more action with each of a nested set of cytokines. So CD4 positive T cells deal with exogenous antigens. Antigens are generated, for example, by pathogens or even by highly mutated antigens generated from tumors. So those exogenously derived, either from massive mutation, from, from oncogenesis, or from pathogens, uh, the, the NGM-presenting cells will present those in exogenous antigens as epitopes to CD4-positive cells. And those are called TH0. They'll have a fully engaged CD4 and a fully engaged T cell, T, engaged T cell receptor response, as well as CD3. They are functioning at the level of major histocompatibility complex two presentation association. <coughs> that will make TH0 cells, CD4 positive, generate autocrine-inducing activating interleukin-2, which will directly allow those TH0 cells to interact with some B-cell populations. Now, these are CD4 positive, not CD8 positive. And those B-cells then, uh, going through their B-cell receptor, will also buy antigen as a co-stimulation. And ultimately, those B-cells can... Um, terminally differentiated plasma cells. Plasma cells then will make IgM, IgG, IgA, IgE. I'm going to stop there because I have to finish off with all the rest of the T helper cells, and we will not have time to do that right now. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry, Chapter 3. Bye for now.